0: Welcome to the Peak Community Church Podcast, where weekly messages are available for your hearing. Welcome to the Peak Community Church, uh, our Sunday morning live worship service. Um, I am jam-packed and full of a word that that God's been stirring up inside of me. My name is Pastor Rob, and I am the senior pastor here at the Peak Community Church. We normally congregate right in the heart of downtown Peekskill at a place called Dramatic Hall, 900 Main Street. Um, and we are looking forward to the day that we can come back and, and gather once again in the assembly. and but until that moment comes, uh, we continue to gather here in a new territory that the Lord has brought us into. So welcome to our church online platform and uh, just want to welcome you, ask you to please connect with us, visit our website. At www.thepeakcc.com. If uh, you're a visitor, or a first-time person that's gathering with us, please fill out the Connect card on our visitors page. Um, if not, uh, go right on to the contact tab and just send us an email and let us know how this ministry has blessed you and or how we can come alongside of you and help support you in your journey to st- spiritual maturity. Amen. Uh, Monday night small groups. Um, tomorrow night uh, we're we're launching out um, our first um, evening on small groups. There are four small groups that are currently being offered, and I want to invite you to please connect with us. Uh, send us an email info at thepeakcc.com. We'll let you. Uh, we'll send you back an email in regards to the groups that are available, what they are about, and. Um, how you can register. And so they are starting tomorrow night, Monday nights every, every Monday night at seven PM. Amen. Um, looking forward to that and looking forward to connect and disciple. Amen. Um, so without any further ado, let's pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you God for the opportunity, um, to wake up this morning to have breath in our lungs and and, and a heartbeat in our chest, Lord Father God, it is the promise of a new day. Now the days have been different, but Lord Father God, the one thing that is constant, the one thing that is never changing is you. For the scriptures teach us that you are the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. There is no turning or changing with thee. And Father God, we thank you for being a rock that we can stand on, and that we can build our lives upon. And so, Father, this morning, I pray right now that you would remove all distractions, that you would silence every voice, silence the chatter within our minds, Lord. Let us be able to enter into a focused moment of worship with you, Lord God. We welcome and open ourselves up to the unction and the anointing of your Holy Spirit to breathe life upon your people, upon your children this morning. Whew, I pray, Father, <laughs> your blessing, your joy restored here, Lord, as we get ready to enter into worship, Lord Father God. Let your presence make it known right now in the matchless and mighty name of Jesus Christ. I welcome you to come and worship with us this morning. Let loose. Feel the presence of God. Amen. Hallelujah. We're going to see a victory. We're going to see a victory because the battle belongs to the Lord. And whatever the enemy intended for evil, God will turn around and use it for good. I believe that wholeheartedly. I know for a fact without a shadow of a doubt. Oh, Father God, whatever the devil intended for evil, you will turn around and utilize it for our good. Hallelujah. So here we are. (laughs) If we were to be completely honest uh, and truthful with each other, I I just, you know, um, how many, how many are tired of this quarantine? <laughs> hands across, going across, going up across the board. <laughs> uh, I mean, seriously, I, I mean, how many of us I, I, just ready to get back to work? Get ready to, 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 to get back to our daily routines, to, to get back to life as we know it, life to the way we framed it. Right now, we're living life, but it's being framed for us. We've got this existential pressure coming. But if we were truthful, I mean, so many of us, we're just ready to get back. And it's normal. It's normal to fear that. Uh, We are creatures of habit. Uh, We like routines, we're comfortable in our routines, and that's why it's so important to watch and listen within this season. There is so much happening around us at this moment that we just might miss it if we're not paying attention. And I want to challenge this morning and and say that that's one of the reasons why I believe God gave Israel their feasts, their seasons of paying attention, celebrations on high holy days. In order to understand where we're at today, we have to understand where we came from yesterday In other words, let me put it like this, Well, knowing the why with the what. When it was time for David to take his rightful place as king, David's army was at Hebron, and the Bible says that mighty men of war came to ensure this process. If we open up our scriptures this morning to 1 Chronicles, the 12th chapter, um, it states that Now, these were the numbers of the divisions that were equipped for war and came to David at Hebron to turn over the kingdom of Saul to him, according to the word of the Lord. Of the sons of Judah, bearing shield and spear, 6,800 armed for war. The sons of Simeon, mighty men of valor, fit for war, 7,100. Of the sons of Levi, 4,600. Jehoiada, the leader of the Aaronites, and with him 3,700, Zadok, a young man, a valiant warrior, and from his father's house, 22 captains, of the son of Benjamin, relatives of Saul, 3,000, until then the greatest part of them had remained loyal to the house of Saul, of the sons of Ephraim, 20,800, mighty men of valor famous men throughout their father's house, of the half-tribe of Manasseh, 18,000 who were designated by name to come and make David king. Of the sons of Issachar, who had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. See, although these men of war had no fear, They they were ready. They were trained. They were skilled. They knew how to maintain ranks. They were supported and directed by a certain tribe. The Bible says in verse 31, 32 that the sons of Issachar, who had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do, they understood the seasons. They they knew what to do. And my question, my challenge to us, the church, this morning is, do we know the season? While being in the midst of a pandemic, while experiencing something for the first time in history, no one in the course of history has experienced what we are on a global scale, experiencing today. To be catapulted out of our daily routines into the unknown. I'm here to tell you, I'm here to encourage you, I'm here to drill within you that God has a purpose and he is still in control. All of this must take place. This didn't catch God off guard. He is sovereign, even in the midst of it. He is still in control. What the Lord has been placing on my heart within the past couple of weeks really is, is, is has to do with the Feast of Tabernacles, or also known as Sukkot. The Hebrew meaning of the word Sukkot means booths or tabernacles. And the Jewish calendar date that normally this is celebrated is in the month of Tashiri, which is generally about the 15th to the 22nd day. Our Western calendar puts that in the month between September and October, which, of course, I'm like, we're in April. So what does the feast have to do with us now? And that's a great question, um, if I must say so myself. It has, to, it has to do with a lot. As you're going you're gonna to see this morning, as I bring Old Testament and New Testament, God is going to reveal purpose and planning, his sovereignty overall. The establishment of Sukkot, well, we can see in the book of Leviticus in the 23rd chapter, uh, verse 33-34, the Bible says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the children of Israel, saying the 15th day of the seventh month shall be the feast of tabernacles for seven days unto the Lord. Now seven has a a very symbolic meaning throughout scriptures because it was upon the seventh day that the Lord had rested. Um, It's seven days that marks completion, fulfillment. Sukkot, the Feast of Boots, commonly also goes by another name called the season of our joy, for joy predominates on this holiday more than any other. The Feast of Boots outshines Purim, it outshines Rosh Hashanah, and yes, even Yom Kippur. It is one of the highest celebrations and the most joyous throughout the land, and most people don't even know why. It is marked the most joyful of biblical feasts because the harvester's labor has finally ceased. See, it is coming into then the the season of rain. And and, and the farmer, the the, the laborer out on the field has, has broken up the soil, has tilled the ground. He's laid out the seeds. The work has been done and there's no more labor to be done the worker and in gratitude to the Lord for his provision the people would begin their hope and prayers for that latter rain it's no longer in my control but your control and and we pray oh God that you would bring forth the rain in order to help us understand this a little better you never notice how many different type of appointments um, there are that you can make, uh, the variety of different preparations that you need uh, to do. Um, let's say if you're going to the barber, um, that's not very formal. Uh, there's not much preparation. Normally when I go uh, get my hair cut, I, I, I call ahead and, you know, hey, you know, you there? I'm going to come by this afternoon. How many heads you got? get in and, and, and get out. Normally, I just want to make sure I have an undershirt because I like to take off my shirt so the hair doesn't come down. That's, that's, the, that's the preparation I, I make when I go to the barber. Um, how about when family comes to visit? Let's say the in-laws are coming over um, Well, at that case, you may want to clean up a little bit, right? Um, You want to make sure you have food and some bevs in the refrigerator. You want to take a little bit more time and preparation, right? Mop the floor, make sure everything is clean. Now, what happens when a dignitary or a celebrity comes over? Well, you know, that's something special. That's, that's a special occasion. I mean, how often do you have a dignitary or a celebrity coming over to your house? And so at that moment, you may even consider taking a shower, <laughs> doing your hair, uh, putting on some nice clothes. Uh, you want to entertain and you don't want to be away from your guest. And so therefore, you know, you may even get a caterer for the night and go the extra mile. What if what if? God was coming over. What kind of preparations uh, would you need to make then? It's the thought of this morning. What if God was coming and we were going to host him? Hosting God. What type of preparations would we make at that moment in time? It's unfortunate that most don't understand the rich Jewish roots of the feasts because so very few can understand how the Messiah is represented in all of them. They are but shadows and types that give a reflection of who Jesus is. Watch this video clip and take a moment to consider what the feasts ought to be representing to us today. I'll be right back. To earnestly seek him, to search him out with all of our hearts, with all of our strength, with all of our souls. Discovering the joy of knowing him, being in a personal, intimate relationship. You know, that's what the Hebrews called the mohed or the mohedim. Do you remember the last time you went out on a date? Went out to dinner, had something special to celebrate. (laughs) Fellas, picked out the spot, called the head. Hey, I want to make reservations for two. It's a special night. Away from the bathroom, away from the kitchen. Something secluded, private, uh, an intimate night. And have the maitre d' have some fresh flowers, if he could, on the table. Huh? You hit up the barber shop. you get laced up, fresh, nice. Ladies, you know you're getting your nails did, your hair's got to be right. You're going to pull out that special dress, you know, the one that fits you mm-mm, just right. <laughs> it's a special night. There's a preparation that takes place. You're you're preparing for an intimate encounter with someone that you're interested in. It's an appointed time and an appointed place to set up a meeting and this is what God has done. He has set up an appointed time and an appointed place a way to meet with his children to have an intimate time set apart so that he can fellowship with you And that's what that's what the Feast of Tabernacles is all about. these booths. The Jewish people around the world would construct sakut or sukkah in the, in the singular. They're frail, little huts or boots uh, built by twigs, and um, it allows for the stars to be seen through the ceiling. I mean, raindrops would actually fall in uh, through the mismatched branches. They remind us of God's provision and protection as well as our dependence on him. The it's a memorial to remind us of the building of booths during uh, the Hebrews' wanderings in the wilderness. The Feast of Tabernacles was an annual reminder to the people that God is the great shepherd who has chosen to tabernacle, to dwell among them, to protect them, to bless them to provide for them wherever they may wander, to tabernacle God with us, the Moed. In Leviticus chapter 23, verses 39 through 43, scripture says, also on the 15th day of the seventh month when you have gathered in the fruit of the land, you shall keep the feast of the Lord for seven days. On the first day there shall be a Sabbath rest, and on the eighth day a Sabbath rest. And you shall take for yourselves on the first day the fruit of beautiful trees, branches of palm trees, catch that, the boughs of leafy trees, and willows of the brook. And you shall rejoice before the Lord your God for seven days. You shall keep it as a feast to the Lord for seven days in the year. It shall be a statute forever in your generations. Come on, somebody shout forever. You shall celebrate in the seventh month. You shall dwell in booths for seven days. All who are native Israelites shall dwell in booths that your generations may know that I made the children of Israel dwell in booths when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. But somewhere along the line through their journey, the people fell away from the observation of the building of booths. So sometimes uh, it, it, what God is asking us to do can seem labor intensive. Sometimes what God is asking c- to do can be uncomfortable. Despite the length and intricacies of the details that God put into the directions regarding Sukkot. In later times, the holiday fell into disuse. People forgot, and people grew numb. But then there was a time in the book of Nehemiah, as he records, that the people, after many years of corruption and non-observance, once more commemorated Sukkot during the high rain by building booths again. Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 17, 18. So the whole assembly of those who had returned from the captivity made boots and sat under the boots. For since the days of Joshua, the sons of Nun, until that day, the children of Israel had not done so. And they were there was very glad, great gladness also day by day from the first day until the last day. He read from the book of the law of God and they kept the feast seven days and on the eighth day there was a sacred assembly according to the prescribed manner. And it's here in the prescribed manner that we can see the poetic craftsmanship of of God's divine plan. We, we see this design come to culmination in Emmanuel, God with us the God who's tabernacling with us. Now, before we cover the three main rites that accompany the Sukkot and how Christ is revealed in them and completes them, and as well as what it means for us today, um, I want you to stay tuned. This is about to get lit, and and, and sparks are about to fly. I, I, I promise you, I guarantee you. This is about to start coming into revelation. But I want to give an opportunity to um, our church family members uh, to tithe and present their offerings and or to partner with us here at the PCC. Um, so I want you to just check out this video. It's a cute little video that that, that speaks on um, what the tithing and the offering is kind of all about. And, and it's going to be followed by the instructions on how you can make the decision to partner with us and the work that we're doing here at the Peak Community Church. I'll be right back.
1: Okay, maybe we need to go over this one more time. Do we have to? Well, sweetie, I don't know if you're getting a good grasp of the ratios here fine. Okay. All right. Step by step. Before we spend any money, what's the first thing that we do? Give to God. Good. And why do we do that? Because he first loved and gave to us. Good. Good, good, good. Okay. Great. Now the second jar here is for so many different things. Hold on. What? God lives in heaven, right? Yeah, he lives in heaven. And heaven has streets paved with gold, white. Streets paved with gold. Sure. Yes. So why does he need my money if I don't even have a job? <laughs> okay, all right, so good question. So basically when we give to God, we're, we're given to the church. So the church gives the money to God? No, the church keeps the money. Oh, does God know about this? <laughs> yes, he uh, basically built the system, yeah. Okay, good. Okay. See, sweetie, as you grow up, There is nothing better than giving back to God in the Bible. It's the only place God says, test me on this. When it comes to your money, he says, test me. It's almost like he's saying, I dare you. And your mom and I, we do just that. Even when things are tough, we always give the first part of our money back to God. And then the church takes that money and does all kinds of things to make God famous, uh, like camps and mission trips and even VBS that you love so much. And even helps out people that are in need. You can't outgive God. And when God says test and you do it, he will come through every single time. Okay, Dad. I get it. I do have one question, though. Okay. Why do we need to test God if he already knows all the answers? that's that's good let me just retrace my steps here just for a minute. <sighs>
0: For your generous gift and your support, um, many may not know. Uh, but outside of, of pastoring the church at the Peak Commute, at the Peak and uh, um, the ministries that uh, the Peak does. Many people fail to realize I also serve as the chaplain for the Peaksco Police Department, Office of Emergency Management, and our Volunteer Ambulance Corps. And so um, I'm on call with them, and, and I serve them. And that's a volunteer position. However, it is supported um, by by you. And, and whenever you partner with us, it gives us the opportunity to have you know, real grassroots boots on the ground in our local community. And from the bottom of my heart, I just want to say thank you for your support. There are three main categories that I'm going to run through quickly right now in regards to the feats of Tabernacle that's going to allow you to make some bridges. And you're going to understand how this um, uh, ties into the season that we're in right now uh three main uh uh, uh, uh rites the the first one i want to explain now uh, my hebrew is a little off i'm not a hebrew scholar um uh, but you know i've read the commentaries uh simkat <laughs> hashuva and what that means is it's rejoicing at the palace of water drawing water drawing every day at the time of preparation for the morning sacrifices, a high priest would descend to the pool of Siloam. You know, the pool of Siloam where Jesus healed the, the, the person, uh, the, the cripple. The pool of Siloam was, was there in the midst and it was a spring that came up, uh, um, and amidst the great music and celebration and singing and dancing, the high priest would take a pitcher, a golden pitcher and would go and scoop water water fresh water from the from the pool of shiloh and after dipping his pitcher in shiloh's water the priest would return and walk up to the temple mount and then he would pour water into one of the silver basins by the altar and, and the people would would cry out raise your hand and, and the priest that would then go and raise so that the people would be able to see that indeed he was pouring the water out into the basin. Here the priest made libation of water and wine, recanting Isaiah 12.3. Uh, Isaiah 12.3, With joy shall you draw water out of the wells of salvation. And so the Hebrew people understood that that out of this well that had a natural spring, its natural source, it never ran dry, and they were able to draw water from this pool to bring it over to the temple and pour it out that it's a silver basin, and they would ca- cry out with joy, you draw water out of the wells of salvation. However, Seven days they would do this, but on the eighth day and the final day of the feast of the ritual, this ritual was not repeated. There was no water to be drawn out, and there was no water to be poured out. And this is exactly when Jesus chose to make a startling announcement. It was like it was like a a a, a, a public herald square. John chapter 7 verse 37. Check this out. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scriptures has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Jesus tied the Old Testament ritual and explained that that was just a shadow and a type that he is, he is now fulfilling. On the one day of the feast when no water was to be poured, Jesus stood up and in a loud voice stops everyone from their festivities and fills the gap. He, he cries out, Oh, the, the water that I have are, are, are better than the waters of Siloam. The waters that I give are living water. And your wells will never run dry. John seven thirty nine. he says, But this he spoke, the waters he was speaking about, concerning the spirit whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Everyone in his hearing would have acknowledged that what he was making, those declarations, can only be made by God himself. Jesus even went as far to identify himself with the rock in the wilderness that gave water to the Hebrews. This latter rain that the Hebrews would be praying for, Jesus said, only he can give. The second rite is, is that of illumination. When the temple was still standing, great pillars, uh, these candelabras were, were lifted up. They were about 15 feet tall and they were erected and they had this big bowl at the end, uh, 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 at the end of them that would hold the oil. The the Levite youths would pour oil into the basins for the different branches of the candelabra. And and they would take the worn-out garments, uh, uh, linen, from from the priest's uh, uh, clothing, and they would act as wicks to burn. And because the temple stood on top of the hill, the blazing candles that that led right up to it illuminated the city below so much that Israel could be seen from afar off. This glorious blaze of fire recalled to Israelites, God's Shekinah, the pillar of fire by night and the smoke by day that accompanied them throughout their wanderings in the wilderness. The presence, the manifest presence of God. The Bible says that men of great skill danced bearing torches while the Levite orchestra played on. The Talmud says the te- temple illumination accompanied with the water-drawing ceremony. He says, who has not beheld the celebration has never seen joy in this life. This is the culmination of their joy and this fire that lights up the city is none other than the holy spirit who eliminate illuminates and enlightens the believer jesus is the one who brings us that spiritual light in the gospel according to john in the first chapter sixth verse it says there was a man sent from god whose name was john this man came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe he was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. Jesus is the light of men. And even in John's revelation, he tries to describe the light of Jesus and what it's supposed to be like. In Revelations chapter 21, John begins to speak and says, Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the First heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also there was no more sea than I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God. Prepared as a bride adorned for her husband, and I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself would be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away, come on, every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. And family, that is what we're anticipating. This is what we're preparing for. This is what the culmination of his plan. And this is who our king is. A little further down in that chapter, in verse 22 and 23, we read, But I saw no temple in it. The new Jerusalem and the new heaven had no temple in it. Why? For the Lamb, the Lord of God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city had no need for the sun or of the moon to shine in it. For the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb is its light. And this... Ritual of Illumination is a direct reflection of the light of Christ that has come into the world and for the light of Christ that we're still awaiting for. Lastly, last but not least, the building of the Sukkah. The Sukkah should remind us always of our own frail frames and our utter dependence upon the Lord. The Israelites made boots when they were wandering the wilderness, and by God's grace, they survived. Thus on Sukkot, we put ourselves in the shoes of these Israelites, just as we do on Easter, so that we can remember and renew God's gracious provision to us, his people, his chosen people. It's here, family, where I believe we find ourselves in this season. God has given us an opportunity to dwell in booths, that we should not labor but be set apart for a season in preparation for an encounter with him. We're preparing for a moed, and an appointed time and an appointed place that God is choosing to meet with us in this season right In your own home. Now you can say man pastor that's all awesome but how does this feast in September October tie in with us now in April? And I'd say family I'm glad you asked me that question I got an answer for you. (laughs) Besides the building of the Sukkah part of their celebration and that rite was that the Jews um, would 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 uh, uh celebrate by waving of the lulav uh during the service in the synagogue How was the lulav during the temple period the hebrew people used to make a daily procession around the temple with the lulav they were palm branches with willow and myrtle branches bundled together branches from uh uh, uh um uh, precious, the precious trees and, and the etrog, which etrog, which was a citron, it looked like an oversized uh, a lemon. These are waved in celebration as wave offerings and the people shout in the streets in celebration. Do you know what they shout? They shout Psalm 118.25. They hold these palm branches up in the air and, and they wave them side to side. And, and, and in their celebration and, and, and in their joy, the, as they're waving, they, they recant and they shout out Psalms 118, 25, 29. It might sound a little familiar. It goes a little like this. Save now, I pray, O Lord. O Lord, I pray, send the now prosperity. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you from the house of the Lord. God is the Lord and he has given us light. Bind the sacrifice with cords to the horn on the altars. You are my God and I will praise you. You are my God. I will exalt you. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his mercy endures forever on that seventh and final day of sakut the people would wave the lulav the palm branches and cry out hosanna rabba in celebration and in rejoicing crying out to god for the latter rain believing god for the latter rain and this should sound fairly familiar because just three weeks ago as we celebrated palm sunday That's exactly what the people were proclaiming. It is what Jesus was proclaiming. That he is the king of Israel. That he brings with him the light of men to give us understanding that when we drink from his spring, we will never thirst again. During the next few weeks, I'm going to challenge you to redefine the why, the why you're in your home. Examine the season that we're in and search the word of God. We are like the sons of Issachar, understanding the season and knowing what to do. Let me ask you a question. Are you rejoicing in the Lord? Have you recognized Jesus as the fulfillment of God's promises? As he entered into Jerusalem, they waved those palm branches. Huh? That was the beginning of the season. The Feast of Tabernacles is the end of the season. Come on. He's the beginning and the end. Woo! Do you see him fulfilling the promises? I want to ask you, Do you wanna receive the Holy Spirit, the fire of the living God that would set your heart ablaze, a fire that cannot be quenched? All you have to do is, is just say a prayer to him and then watch out. Well, I mean, I don't really know how to pray. I'll tell you how I prayed. And if you could align your prayer with this prayer, then, then take a hold of it. Own it. Dear God, I'm sorry. I seek out my own desires. I seek out my own will. I'm sinful in my nature. I'm rebellious at heart. I come against your statutes and 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 as much as I try to do the right things, I always revert to wrong things. And as much as I try not to do wrong things, oh, Father God, I find myself at that place. Forgive me, God. Have mercy on oh. me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Transform and change my heart. Make yourself real to me, oh, God, and direct my path, lord i will serve you set me free and my life is yours and i ask these things in jesus name amen and amen did you say that prayer for the first time do you feel a stirring taking place inside of you i want to ask you to please Connect with us, visit our website, go to our contact page, send us, send us an email. Let us know, you know, what, what, what this ministry is doing, how we can come alongside of you. We we want to hook you up and we want to give you a, a, a free gift. If this is the, your first time, we want to, we want to get you a uh, uh, resource with right now media. Glad to do that. Uh, uh, just for coming and connecting with us at the P Community Church. Um. If this is the first time that you've really ever dedicated yourself to Jesus, that that you said that prayer, recognizing him not only as your savior, but also as your king, willing to walk in obedience to what he places before you. Just want to invite you to please connect with us at thepeakcc.com. Visit our links, fill out a connect card um, so that we can just bless you Because that's what God has called us to do. That's what this ministry is about. I pray that this word was a fat word for you. That it fills you with faith. Makes you available. I, I pray that God has moved and revealed himself in a new light to you this morning. Um, I look forward to connecting with those of you in small groups tomorrow night. Remember, we've got prayer Tuesday night, corporate prayer at 7 p.m. And, of course, systematic Bible study Thursday nights at 7 p.m. And uh, I'll see you within the community. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. I bless you, church, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I miss you. I love you. Go live out the gospel and seek the Moedim, that appointed time and appointed place with the Lord in this season. I bless you. God bless you. Bye.